Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught Offside from just outside of New York City from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York. Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. What's up, brother? How are you, Andrew? Uh, I'm doing well. Doing well. It's uh, it's February 29th. How do we feel about the happy 11th birthday Taylor Twelman jokes? Are they funny? Are they played? He's a leader. Oh, oh, he is. Is he? Uh, he would be 11 today if we were. So, so what day does he usually celebrate on? The 28th, is it? Uh, I don't know. I guess you'd have to ask him that. Yeah. No. Um. I mean, it's fine. The fact I haven't seen these jokes suggests that it's. Well, I think I, people just make these jokes in general. I think whether it's him or anybody who who's born on this day, it's like, oh, you're you're eight today. Uh, it seems like a lame level of comedy. Any yeah. comedy that requires mathematical calculation is it's not great, is it? Well, happy leap year. I'm 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 still in my feels about Richard Lewis. I have to say. Oh, yeah. His passing um, yesterday just prompted me to go deep into there's someone has put up a supercut of him from curb just like okay. an hour an hour's worth of him and larry it's so funny it is so so funny and natural and um yeah i'm 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 gutted I, and i know he had parkinson's um i just i i i'm really sad about it uh i interacted with him on oh, probably like six, seven years ago, a curb was coming back out and I tweeted something or a clip from curb or whatever. And he was tagged in it and he followed me and I DM'd him immediately. Obviously I had to, I say, listen, I'm a huge fan. I'm living here in Brooklyn. I, I can't. And I was really like, I had only just got started in curb. I was going through all the old seasons on HBO and uh, he just made me laugh so much. Like, and he said, thanks bro. That made my day. I'm like, 
what? And then I said to him, oh, listen, you've made my day so many times. I said, uh, hope for a win. The Yankees were in the playoffs, I think, against the Astros. And I said, hope uh, you and uh, and Larry get, your Yankees get a win tonight, whatever. Thanks, bro. And then, and then, like, I messaged him. I should have left him alone. <laughs> but I messaged my I DM'd him again then a few months later saying something about a curb scene. And, um, and he goes, yeah, it's just, he's been my friend he, about Larry David. He said, you let me and Larry, it's just authentic and natural. He's been my friend for like so many, for like 40, over 40 years or whatever. Like we're just longer than that. Longer. Yeah. Yeah. Way longer than that. And, uh, he said, it's all authentic. It's just, we're, we are who we are on the show. Oh my God. Their relationship on the show is like the most real thing I've ever seen on television. It was so I mean, good. I mean, yeah. just a line like the the one from the line where Chacha, his girlfriend, keeps seeing Larry go to the bathroom and and, and, and right in the middle of it. Nobody can script this. He, he, Larry goes, what's she doing? Keeping a track of me going to the bathroom. And, and Richard goes, she has bowel concern for you, as do I. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's so, so good. F- Funny. Oh. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. No, that's very, that was sad. That was very sad. He was a great comedian and, and hilarious on that show for sure. Yeah. And the best way to honor Richard Lewis is by two friends riffing on football. Isn't that and right? That is, that is exactly what's about to happen. Big show. Uh, the FA Cup stuff to get to from the midweek. Uh, JJ has to pay off his tease from the other day where he has, I guess, recalibrated oh, the U.S. Geez. men's national team goalkeeping depth depth chart i oh i God. really so i went through it myself like, because destroyed. i knew you were going to do this so so i went through and to try to think of what could he do here i mean we'll, look i don't want to step on teases but good luck man like the pool is is kind of shallow so i'll be very hey, curious listen, what you do here don't you doubt me no i'm not i'm don't curious you doubt to see me. how you do this I've, um, I've this this is this is the perfect clarity of a man who hasn't enough things to do because I too much, even with a daughter, I have too much time on my hands because I've thought this through and I have come to a conclusion. Oh, hmm. Oh man. I almost want to do it right now, but no, 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 no. We'll get to it. We'll get to it very soon. And JJ, I can't wait. Cause in the second half of this podcast today, uh, Nikki Bandini, whose work you see uh, all over the place, ESPN, the guardian talk sport, uh, her own podcast, the Syria A Chronicles, Italian football podcast. Um, I'm so excited to have her on the show for a variety of reasons. The the initial thought for us was we're kind of closing on Copa America. You can feel the excitement starting to build already, I think, among American fans. And so much of that excitement has been centered around what has gone on with the the progress and growth of our stars, Christian Pulisic and Weston McKinney playing in Syria A this season, that there's kind of been a, a nice redemption to two careers that looked a little bit derailed last season and, and maybe even a little bit before that with Pulisic at Chelsea. Um, and so we want to get her insights on those guys, Tim Weah, Yunus Musa, how some of these Americans have been playing the season in, in Syria. But in addition to that, JJ woke up this morning and saw, bang, Paul Pogba, four years, doping ban, gone. <laughs> wow. So, I mean, we knew this was coming to a certain extent. This had been in the news. Um, but there it is. The ruling uh, has come down. So we'll talk to uh, to Nikki and get some initial thoughts on what is still a breaking story. Yeah. Much of the details we're still in the dark on in terms of um, what his appeal will be centered around. You know, what was this by accident? Did he knowingly do this? So there's there's still a lot to learn here, but uh, I look forward to getting her thoughts on that. And then Inter Milan as well, as they're kind of running away with the league 
what is the ceiling for that team? Uh, so there's a lot, a lot of Italian football stuff kind of combined with some and the national stuff. team. And the national team as well. So there's there's a lot to talk to Nikki Bandini about. Great time to have her on the program. And we'll do that in the second portion of today's podcast. But, JJ, let's start in England. Uh, FA Cup midweek. Observations? Thoughts? Yeah. Feelings? Um, I, I wrote some notes. Uh, oh, wow. Uh, let me begin uh, <laughs> with Manchester City. Pummeling uh, Luton Town. I'm going to begin there. Uh, yeah. Five for Erling Haaland. Kind of I mean at one point he was scoring a goal roughly what every like 11 minutes. Yeah. So it was basically De Bruyne gets the ball slides in Haaland who rattles it past the goalkeeper. Um and that I mean there's not a there's not a ton interesting about this game because I mean it's it's a serious feat to get five goals in a game. Obviously that's interesting. Uh, Jordan Clark had, <laughs> in amongst all the Haaland goals, Jordan Clark had two belters for Luton. Absolute cracking goals, uh, which he celebrated, didn't really celebrate. He did the non-celebration celebration because, and actually he didn't do any kind of a celebration because of the nature of the game. Maybe at 3-2, he'd, maybe the second one, because it brought it to 3-2, there was a bit of a fist bumper. Um, they trashed them and there's not much to talk about. Uh, Pep had some comments before the game on the Carabao Cup, though, some salty comments. Obviously, he just had enough listening to it. He he was feeling like, why doesn't anyone want to talk about what I did in this competition? Because um, he was like, uh, when I came to England, uh, you know, Sir Alex, uh, Brian Kidd, they would tell me, oh, don't play the kids, play the kids. Don't worry about the Carabao Cup. But in the last few years, wow. Everyone talk about the Carabao Cup. Now, he's won the bloody thing, what, five times? Something like that. Um, but I, I guess it's just the whole drama and the fever and the, the Klopp's kids and the Chelsea bottle jobs and everything has just been too much for Pep. It's like, Pep reminds me a little bit with Manchester City of a scene in The Simpsons where there's a guy scaling the side of a building, right? And he, in a fly costume, and something mundane is happening. And all you can hear is, hello, human fly here. Like, he's like, ah, oh, come on. And everyone's ignoring him. Like, So Pep can stand on his head. Pep can win a treble. Pep can do what he wants. No one cares. Like, well, no one cares. Except if you're a Manchester City fan and you're like us in the media where we're required to talk about it. It's it, it, like Holland has scored five goals. And uh, who, like, it's just that whole thing where, well, they're doing what we expected them to do. Or, well, they are owned by a country and they've paid all this money. This is what they should do. It's, it, it, we're really in that realm right now. And uh, and Pep seemed to be feeling it before before that game. Um, he had some other comments, too, oh? uh, that I found, that I particularly found interesting, that um, was brought to my attention on Twitter. I think the show account tweeted it. But initially, I saw it on uh, football on TNT Sports, where Pep was talking about Jack Grealish. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, and he said he is the same player, and the way we play has not changed. It's just the way he has performed. That's Ooh, the difference. That's that is a, that's cold. That's very, very cold, and it's kind of what we suspected, wasn't it? Um, I don't know. If you look at the summer, they won the treble and. It was the summer of Jack. Like all you saw all summer was him somewhere, hanging out, partying, doing whatever. And I thought he started the season fine. 
like I can remember a really nice assist at Sheffield United for 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 Haaland. I did think I'm not sure I agree with Guardiola there though. And I I, I did think early Doku of just like well, he just does things Grealish can't do, or won't like he can he can beat a player in a way Grealish can't, and he's quicker than Grealish. And I thought maybe it's just that's why Grealish is out the side. But clearly Guardiola sees him. Maybe maybe it's like the third season intensity. So the first season, at the end of that season, he spoke to like Roy Keane on the field as the trophy was being lifted, the Premier League trophy was being lifted, and he kind of said how how intense. Guardiola's methods were and how hard it was to get to get to that level and then he gets to that level last season or at least we felt he did he did yeah and and maybe it's just maybe it's just hard to just maintain that for him maybe he's just not that's not the kind of guy he is you know that week in year in year out same to 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 stick to the dogmas of 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 what Guardiola's doing because Watching Guardiola talk to to players is tiring. Never mind having him talk to you. So I wonder is that, is that a part of it? I don't know. I, I don't either. I it, don't know. It, it it doesn't sound good though. Like it doesn't really sound good. And whether it sounds good or not, look at the minutes that he's going to have under his belt going into European Championships in the summer. Like he's probably thinking, "Am I?" Like he doesn't start for England right now. Well, that I mean, that's been the case. Kind of it's been the case for a while, but his he, tenure but, with England. But he hasn't he hasn't done anything to push himself further up now this season. No. So it's just yeah, I I've always wanted him released from that from that whole scenario. Mm-hmm. Um while while he's while he's got time to be, you know, while he's still in his twenties, I suppose. Yeah. Uh let's see, JJ, I wanted to mention also um Chelsea. I, I do want to give them a little bit of credit and three guys in particular. I mean, look, they were they're down a goal in this game. They're coming off a soul-crushing loss in a cup final. Well, not much of a turnaround, was there? No. No, they kind of they had to get right back at it. Um, that felt like an, an important goal for Nicholas Jackson, a guy who I've been really hard on this season. And I, look, I'm still not sure how good of a player he is if he can be Chelsea's number 9 moving forward. I, I don't I don't think so, but that was important. They needed something. They needed a response in some way to kind of get things, at least on this day, back on track. Made the right run, good first touch, tough angle, uh, really nice finish. Um, and then later in the first half, another player who's been really maligned for Chelsea, Mikhailo Mudrik scored a really nice goal. Um, and then to finish it off, you know, leads to their credit, they fight back. It's 2-2. It looks like this could be um, headed for, for a draw. And then... Connor Gallagher, after a couple big misses against Liverpool, what does he do? What a great goal to win it. I mean, another really nice first touch and a terrific finish to win the game. So it was a nice bounce back performance for the team and for a few players in particular, uh, I would say, who who needed that sort of performance. Um, one thing that I would say, that first Leeds goal in that game, I mean, man, this is just like when, when playing out from the back goes wrong on full display there. Like just yeah, it, it was. It just looked so easy for Leeds to take that away and 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 punish Chelsea for it. Um, and then at the end of the game, what happened to Liam Cooper on the final corner attempt? Like I'd I'd maybe want to see a replay again, but did he just whiff on that ball on like a free header eight yards out that like that could have potentially tied that game. What what happened? 
there. I didn't see that. I, just, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. I'll, I'll go back and look again, but it looked, I mean, he's buying, if you're Chelsea, maybe it's one of these better to be lucky than good situations. Cause it looked, whoever was marking him, he, Liam Cooper lost everyone and he's by himself. That was, I mean, that was a frightening way for Chelsea to end that game. And it was the last kick of the ball. Um, and it ended like that. So look, if you're Chelsea, you, it's, it's what you needed. You know, it wasn't perfect, but three guys I thought who needed good performances scored goals in this game. They advance in a cup so they can maybe, you know, start to kind of forget a little bit about the disappointment of what just happened over the weekend. So I, I thought that was uh I thought that was an important win for them. Um and Manchester United, JJ, I wanted to mention them as well. Mm-hmm. Look, when I when I look at United in a game like this, I kind of I, I said what I said the other day about United and I stand by it personnel wise. I still, I just don't think this team is that good. So I'm at left back. Yeah. Like mm. he, he had, see a, that he, sp- he had his sprint with Divock Origi and Divock Origi just destroys him. It's yeah. Like, with the ball at Origi's feet and he's dribbling faster than Amrabat can run. Yeah. Um, so like this is a one nil win where in the past we might've said, yeah, but is it one you feel good about? I'm I'm moving past that now with United. I think I, I feel like I've seen enough of them where I know what they are, and I I just don't think they have that many great players on this team. So, like instead of getting worked up for the negative in a negative way over this, you know, barely getting by what we deem to be an inferior opponent, I'm kind of trending toward it's a cup, it's a dramatic win, survive in advance, be happy. Like I, I think I'm kind of getting closer to that. And by the way, they played fairly well. Like they could have scored twice in the first seven minutes. Well, Forest had, the, had their chances too. Yeah, of course, because because United aren't that good. Like they're, mm. you know, so they're they're going to give up chances. United's back. Their defense isn't great. Lindelof is still playing. Luke Shaw's hurt. Um, so that's going to happen, you know. But United played all right. It's a cup. Keep going. They've got Liverpool next, which is a a, a fun game. Um, yeah. So you know, I'm not great. Quarter, great quarterfinal. Yeah. So I, I'm kind of going to move past this whole like, yeah, they won, but like, we know I, I've said what I said about United. Like, there, I don't know that I need to keep going back to like all of the the problems that are there. I just don't think that they have a ton of good players. So the deeper they can make a, a cup run, feel good about it. I'm fine with that. Uh, just one from Richard Keys yesterday because Keesy's got his finger on the pulse out there in Qatar. All the leaks coming out of Old Trafford tell me the gaffer is Eric Ten Toast. Mm. Football can be a horrible business. He's had his time, though. Wasted a fortune and taken them nowhere, full stop. Absolutely nowhere, full stop. So Keezy thinks he's on borrowed time. I would say Sir Big Jim is going to leave him to the end of the season. He could be gone in the summer, though. Yeah, I think that's Um, possible. uh, Just two more quick ones for me. Newcastle scraped by Blackburns on penalties. Blackburns? Blackburn on penalties. I mean, they really could have been knocked out in this one, particularly in extra time, the end of regular time. Um, Sammy Smodic had a couple of chances. He scored, obviously, the equaliser for Blackburn after Anthony Gordon had put Newcastle ahead. Um, that, that could have been an upset, but Newcastle survived. Um, Liverpool beating Southampton. Uh, uh, a brace from uh, Jaden Dance. What a few days. What? It just this is dream world stuff. And a debut. Where, where is this all heading? All I these mean, new young players emerging. But right they're not all, like, yeah, but they're not all going to survive. A, they're not going to survive Klopp going, moving away. They're not, they're just not going to survive. But the, there, there's like six of them right now, even right. if only two. McConnell, like, Dan's. Connor Bradley is still included in this. Bradley, Kumas. Uh, yeah, 
18-year-old uh, Lewis Kumas. Jason Kumas' son. If only two of them make it, it's a huge win. Right, yeah. So, yeah. Look something. at you. You're, you're absolutely crestfallen by this. You hate uh, it. Why? I'm just, you do. Have we reached a point where I can't? I, I saw comments about it on Reddit. Like, I can't, I can't talk about Liverpool anymore. People are only seeing so like, my tone or, you know, like, it's it's ridiculous. How many? Oh my god! I, how many nice things did I say about them after their Carabao Cup win? Like, but you know, I I can't. This is what you always say, JJ. Once you make it known how you feel about a team or oh, who yeah. you support, like that's it. You're done. You're, you're done. You're, people's you're eyes cooked. are done. They don't they don't want to hear your thoughts on that team anymore. Even if it's nuanced and fair, you're cooked. Yes. You're so funny because you were like, I'm going to give Reddit a break. I'm just going to take a break. I'm I did. I took like a two away. week break. Two weeks is a, it's a break. I needed you're like a break. The guy, you're the, like the guy you can't stay off his ex-girlfriend's Instagram. Not looking at it again. All right. It's over. It's finished. If she wants to hang out with that guy, that's uh, fine. Uh, okay. Now we've reached the point that everybody's been waiting for. Well, so going back to the United Nottingham Forest Oh, game, I'm sorry. Uh, well, but it's going into what you want to talk about now. Ah. So the American connection. Start with Gio Reyna here. Came off the bench uh, in the 93rd minute. Jesus uh, look, I, I would say this. So so far, <laughs> disaster. all of our concerns about this move have are being validated. Doesn't mean it can't change. However, let's look at it. 39 minutes on the pitch over the course of, what's it been, five five games? Yeah. Not good. Now, here's the problem. Nottingham Forest don't have another midweek game until Tuesday, April 2nd. And then I don't know if they have another one after that. So I'm not sure, like, how much squad rotation needs to be going on here. They're in a relegation fight. They're pretty much just playing once a week. Nuno's going to need his best 11 on the field if this team is going to try and stay up this season. And Reyna is not one of those. Like, I... He's played 39 minutes in five games. Is there is there something barring an injury to somebody, which you can't predict? Why should we believe that that is suddenly going to change? Uh, I don't. I'm, so I mean, we shouldn't. This is the front four he played uh, against United: Origi, Gibbs, White, Elanga, and Awanyi. Look at that! Look at that front four. Reina is nowhere like those profile of players and what they do. Nowhere. The closest he is to Gibbs is to Gibbs White in that sense. He's not getting in there. No injury is injury is going to be. It's just such. I, a... When the dust settles of all this, like this summer, I don't know where he's going to wind up. If he's going to go back to Dortmund and try to fight for a place there, if he's, I, I don't know. But I want to find out who who pushed for this. Who pushed for Forrest? Did he want? Was he just desperate to be in the Premier League? Where he just said, "Get me in anywhere," or was his agent? What, what was it, Jester Feud and their and their previous relationship with Nuno when he was at Wolves? Did that come into it? Did, were they looking for a landing spot, a kindly landing spot? I'd be curious to know who who pushed for this because this, by the way, right Forrest, from the get go, it didn't feel a lot of a lot of us had some concerns over this. Well, we were praying he'd end up at Marseille, somewhere like that. I, yeah, I don't there's, know. There's Not, more. There's more to come out about all this. I think. And then JJ, of course, Matt Turner was back in goal. Had a good game. Pretty I thought he busy. was fine. He was busy. Six saves. Some of them were, you know, low degree of difficulty, but some of them were not. Some of them he had to make early on. He had to make a really big save uh, in the first few minutes of that game. 
Um, you know, it's the unfortunate side effect as an American fan of Forrest bowing out of this competition is that this effectively ends Matt Turner's season. That he is their, the, he's their again. cupkeeper. And so now it goes, barring an injury, it's back to Matt Sells for the rest of the year. We won't see Matt Turner again. Disaster. That's, that's disaster from here. really. But that's what I said the other day. Like I said, um, well, actually, I said the other day, well, they're out of the cup. I didn't even realize Nottingham. I thought Forrest were already out. So I got wow. that wrong. So, so at least he had one more 90 minutes. And I thought um, it was a good. I thought he played well. I thought I he, he did just fine. He did yeah. just fine. Uh, so the other but, day, yes, the other day when we were talking about Turner, JJ, we weren't even talking about Turner. I don't even know how you got there, but you dropped in the little grenade. Oh, it was of, Kelleher? I just saw. Oh, I just Frank. saw how Kelleher has blossomed, getting more playing time since Allison's injury, and how how Kelleher was when he came back initially a little bit tentative. There was the game against Fulham where he conceded far, you know, he conceded some goals that he probably would have thought he would save and how he's just got better and better and better and better until he peak performance, man of the match performance. He was voted man of the match by, um, by the EFL on Sunday. And so how did this happen? Well, he's been playing and I'm just worried with Matt Turner that he's going to go into a massive competition like the Copa America, and he's going to have that early rust that you have when you haven't played regularly, and we're in trouble. And so with that, JJ dropped in the little grenade there during the show that, by the way, Matt Turner, for this reason, is no longer my number one for the U.S. But he didn't immediately have who is lined up ready to go. So I said, okay, we'll take a few days here. And on the next pod, I think I want to know. Who it is? Who is it now for you? If it's not, I've, Matt I've ranked. I've ranked how I see it. Um, okay, here we go. So, so I've decided. I've decided, and I'm projecting here now because maybe Matt Sells get, gets an injury and Turner plays all those games, and then. But he, don't he, don't don't project that. Who knows? We're not. We're not. We, we, I don't want that. Yeah. Um. Where do I? Uh. So I'm going to begin with. I I think the. He's he's never let the in the limited stars he's had. He's never let the country down. Ethan Horvath. But he's not playing. So this well, fly immediately no, flies no, no, in the no, face. No, no. He's played four games this season. I know, but he's now permanently signed to Cardiff. He's played the last four. We can expect he's playing now. And we can ex- project that he will play forward. Because and I toyed. I toyed, Andrew. Mm-hmm. Before I get to the two MLS goalkeepers that have made my depth chart, I toyed, Andrew, with the idea of Stalnina coming in and playing. Mm-hmm. And then I looked at where he's playing and what he's doing. And it's obviously not his fault. He's on a bad team, KS Eupen, in the Belgian league. Uh, with their, I mean, they're second from bottom. Uh, they have, he's conceded this season in the Belgian Pro League. Oh, God. 25 appearances, 51 goals. Ah. He has somehow mustered three clean sheets. But he has started 100% of the minutes. He's in the starting 11 every week. And he's made uh, he's made some penalty saves too. So I, I toyed with that, but I thought, no. I think if Horvat gets the run now that, we, that he looks like he's on, starting, that he is the number one now for Cardiff. Okay. 14th in the championship. Horvat is number one. Unless, like, again, I'm just going on where we are right now. As I say these words, he's the number one for Cardiff. Turner is then in second, and then I've kind of made it, divided it down into uh, uh, the third choice into three possible candidates. 
So there's Drake Callender, Patrick Schulte. Schulte? Schulte. Schulte. I keep getting that wrong. And we've had him on the pod. Yeah, I, I, I really like the way he finished the season last season. And Callender, had a, Callender has shown some really good stuff. But they've only played one game so far. Yeah. But, but that's where they're at. And uh, 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 Slalina is, is ahead of those guys. So that's my that's my rankings, and I don't okay. think they're I don't think they're unfair or unreasonable. Okay, um, yeah, I, I'm just I obsessed still, with the fact our keeper needs to be playing. <laughs> I still do have Turner as my number one, um, and I guess Horvath would be my two. Um, but the one to keep an eye on, like if this, if Horvath doesn't continue to be Cardiff's number one or if Turner kind of if this fizzles and he goes back to MLS I don't know the, the one to keep an eye on for the next couple of years he's so young right now but but everything you see and hear about Chris Brady with Chicago is that this this guy has a chance to be the next big American goalkeeper now that's a lot of pressure to put on such a young player but that's kind of the one right now it's not on my depth chart yet but that's sort of the one I guess to keep an eye on because it's just weird JJ like this was the the country of Keller, Friedel, and Howard, basically all vying for the that job at the same time. Like, and the pool is just it's just not it's just not that deep anymore. Um, and so it's yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough right now to easily identify who it would be. Still yeah, Turner for me, but yeah, to, just to be to clarify, like I mean, Horvath was signed on a permanent contract for Cardiff there at the start of the month, so he's going to play. And um, and I think that's important. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see what, what Triple G thinks. If he has any kind of change of heart. I would be surprised if he did. But... Well, he didn't, he didn't bring Callender and, and, and Schulte into the January camp just for the fun of it. So mm-hmm. um, he's obviously assessing options. Yeah. Well, maybe not for the number one, though. Those are guys to round out, a, you know, two, three, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, just a couple other notes before we get to Nikki Bandini here, JJ. Um, I, I did want to ask you about your thoughts on, I saw Ireland slap the interim tag on John O'Shea. Um, amid the general mistrust of how the FAI are handling this whole situation and finding a new manager, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. There's If it, if it buys the FAI time, to get a guy that is within their profile that they want, not Chris Coleman, not Steve Bruce, not Sam Allardyce, the younger, the trending younger coach or that coach that they want to bring in. Um, I'm I'm actually okay with. There's been a lot of like this is just. It's been a bad month for the FAI, a really bad month. The fact that they can't land Lee Carsley is is a huge problem. Um, but I'm glad they haven't just said pretended to save face announced Chris Coleman said well this is the guy we wanted all along and then just now that job is done I'm, I'm glad that they're taking their time to this John O'Shea is a brilliant servant for Ireland a hugely experienced player over his time with Manchester United and Sunderland and he's been coaching he's been part of the Ireland setup for a while now so it makes sense I think it's a good idea and he'll take us into those friendly games the worry for the FAI is this, the other noise around them was they had a, an appearance at the Irish government's public accounts committee which did not go well where their ceo jonathan hill was asked about 
this is the funniest thing ever, was asked about a payment of 11,000 euros that was made to him that would push them outside of the laws Ireland have has now for sports administration, the rules, the guidelines for sports administration. And he claims he was paid this money after a joke in an email was taken seriously, hmm. where he asked for this money to be paid out while he was on vacation. Have you ever heard anything like this? <laughs> and he said, the jo- like uh, the thing about an email chain is you can pop in at any time and say, I was joking. And that he that that he clearly hadn't asked for this, and that it was paid it was paid to him by accident, right? And this is a, obviously a football association beset by financial impropriety over the last twenty twenty five years. So the new yeah, guys, I wonder why the new guys that were supposed to come in and sort all this out have been taken to task in uh, at the public accounts committee. Um, they did the, the craziest thing ever. So the person that uh, that was supposed to, it, w- one of the letters with the, the key phrase where the CEO said that he didn't want this money. This is, the, this is produced in, in evidence. The letter was produced as some kind of proof that he didn't, that he wasn't serious and that this was a joke and that he'd made it clear it was a joke in this letter. Andrew, the entire letter from date at the top to signature at the bottom is redacted. Oh, jeez. The whole thing. That's like How is that evidence? And the one <laughs> sentence in it that would exonerate the, this whole scenario and exonerate the people involved, that's redacted too. Hmm. So anyway, that's just uh, filling you up. In the, so, so, so all this is swirling on while the FAI are supposed to be getting the best person in. And so I guess faith is running is on in short supply right now, but in, but in terms of John O'Shea coming in, no, I I don't have an issue with it. I I okay. couldn't possibly have an issue with it. No, I wouldn't think so. Um, one note: uh, Concacaf Champions Cup was continuing this week. The huh. one one of the great, um, who Ooh. would have ever thought Concacaf rivalries? The Philadelphia Union against Saprissa, a brilliant game. Yeah, what an incredible couple games. Uh, I mean they. they between some of their previous matchups and this, like it's it's one of the fun, weird rivalries that you never would have expected. Um, for American fans out there, I thought, you know, the next wave of young union talent is starting to emerge. And that is a good sign because of what we've seen them produce in the not so distant past. Quinn Sullivan was great. I think he was man of the match from this one. I believe he won. Jack McGlynn was uh was really good I thought for the union in this game as well. This this game for me though it, it'll always be remembered as the George D Metellus game. <laughs> I don't know what this was like a fever dream watching this. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable stuff. It was uh free association stand up comedy stuff. Like the 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 union issued a map of all the different ways his brain went with uh, like he covered so much stuff. Um, none of it to do with football. No, no. I'm worried it'll become a thing now. I don't know. I've never look. I'm not here to. You did not enjoy. I've, it. Did not I've never heard. It. I've never heard a game called quite the way that one was. I'll I'll just say that he was it basically was different. It was just different than any game I've ever watched. It probably right. Kendall 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 Waston is coming on here. Uh, time for a reminder that it's Waston, not Watson, 
But I'm pretty sure in the next few minutes, I'm going to say Watson a couple of times. So watch out for that. That's the kind of level we were talking about here. I mean, he was citing Futurama. He Futurama three or four times. He wasn't sure that Brian Dawkins had played for the Eagles. He was talking about how hot Halle Berry was in the 90s. He translated Jesus Bueno's name. He he must have referenced Philly's XV kits about 23 times during the course of that game. I, what he he, he openly admitted to never having seen Jack McGlynn play before. <laughs> like, you're calling... A knockout stage game of the of the CONCACAF Champions Cup. Uh, it was it was a fever dream. But he's getting and more work because some people thought this was amazing. Go uh, on Twitter, it, type in his name. People love it. Yeah. And so therefore, Fox will have him on for the next one. I think this could get very tiring very quickly. It's almost like Gene Shalit. It's a uh, it's a little bit like that, that kind of level of uh, of shtick. It was something. It was something. Yeah. Um, um and real quick, JJ, before we get to Nikki Bandini, I just want to mention one note on the CONCACAF Women's Gold Cup, which is going on right now. Look, the U.S., again, um, kind of thoroughly outplayed by Mexico the other night on on the wrong end of a U.S.-Mexico dosa cero. Um, I mean, the U.S., a lot of possession for two shots on goal, one corner. They just... Can we talk about the Mexican goals, though? Sure. Outstanding. I mean, they're just such good goals. And you look at the team. You just you can't get away from saying that, that you know, oh, well, they were missing X or Y. Trinity Rodman, Rose Lavelle, Lynn Williams, uh, Lindsay Horan. Come yeah, on, I mean, guys. This, Sophia this Smith, is, like, this is this is the team. Now, look, their coach wasn't there, and we're still kind of in the, the shadow of the World Cup. Like, did anyone, I don't know, did people expect them to just, like, be okay right after that like we we the world cup was all about unmasking the fact that there are problems here Andrew, and they managed two shots on target in the entire game yeah like, and they saw a lot of the ball there's something there's 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 something amiss here and it, and also part of it is like you mexico have also gotten better like they're good now too but that's that's the big thing that's the thing the the most important game from the last world cup was the portuguese game and the patterns of play they had and how they were so much more comfortable and had a clear style of play and how technically they'd moved on so much and how they'd improved so much. That game, that's when the U.S. should have gone out. That's when they should have gone out. That's the facts of it. Um, And you just feel in the space of a pandemic, uh, you know, like that four-year span from 2019 that the earth has shifted for this this women's team. And, And... it's a monumental job uh, for for the incoming manager. Yeah, I Emma think. Hayes has her has her work cut out for her, no question. Can we talk about before we move off one other thing from this tournament? Like, by the way, Costa Rica, Puerto Rico were basically not basically they were decided by like a coin flip. Yeah, in the year twenty twenty four, this is how we're deciding who's advancing out of the group stage into the knockout stage of, of an important tournament. Um, Theo Lloyd Hughes, who's been on the show before, who's terrific covering women's soccer. Um, he wrote this, he was there. He, he was a witness to all of this. Um, after three rounds of group stage matches, Costa Rica and Puerto Rico had identical records in the 2024 women's gold cup. One win apiece, two goals scored, four conceded and four yellow cards, a deadlock. As per CONCACAF rules, if all these tiebreakers were even, then the score would be settled by drawing of lots 
essentially chance, luck, a random draw for one team to advance over the other. So congrats, Costa Rica. They were the lucky ones here. How is this still happening? How like how can this be? How is there not some other way? Like keep keep adding tiebreakers. I don't care how dumb they might be. It's better than this. Like shots on goal, make that a tiebreaker. You know, uh, the shots allowed against you. I I don't keep going. Yeah, like there and- there has to be more that has something to do with football rather than just stopping at cards. Keep going with other football related statistics. Like, yeah, they're dumb too, but nothing nothing is as dumb as settling it that way. Agreed. I don't get it. Agreed. It's it's it 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 feels so ancient and archaic it's, to do it that it's, way. It's it's humorous almost. Like it's it's laughable. He he continued, Theo Lloyd Hughes continued. He said, In my opinion, it felt clear that without a prior plan for how to draw the lots, the crew on site had to get creative. I watched one CONCACAF official leave the stadium and return with a plastic bag filled with what looked like colorful plastic eggs, balls, or pom-poms. About half a dozen or so staff buzzed in and out of the operations room intently, some on phones, other texting or talking. Another Confederation staffer poked around the back of house boxes in the stadium's offices. Eureka, they discovered plastic see-through footballs with screw-off lids, possibly for hospitality suites. Soon, a big plastic bowl was being recovered from the very same stadium offices, and the officials once again burrowed their way into a private room to discuss the procedure with their scavenged goods. This is like, this is a major tournament. (laughs) This is what was going on. What are we doing? What are we doing? It's so weird. It's how? How is it we're deciding? So Costa Rica advance. Uh, and I, I don't know what to say to Puerto Rico. Sorry. Like that's, that sucks. That's a tough way to not advance in a, uh, in a tournament. And also a country where you're trying to grow the game even further. You know, it's drawing of lots in the year 2024. This is what we're doing. One final thing for me before we, we hit the break and Nikki Bandini, uh, yeah. caught offside shirts in the wild is the email I got from Adam Sharp. Ooh. Um, it's blurry, but here are a few of the guys from my adult rec team here for the cardio. After our final winter indoor game of the season, celebrating at Brothers Craft Brewing in Harrisonburg, Virginia. So it's Adam, Ben, and Andrew, and their manager, Joel. And they are wearing, uh, uh, one of them is wearing the our green caught offside oh, yeah. t-shirt. I want more of these pictures. We've sent out enough t-shirts. I need to see you, be it playing sports, going for a run, looking after your kids, maybe in an intimate moment with a loved one. Hmm, Just send really? me. Not really. I don't want that. I'm not disseminating pornography on this podcast. Um, send us send us pictures. Um, Whatoffsidepod.com. I've had some amazing ones. Someone dressed their dogs in the t-shirts. Nice. How do I feel about that? I love it. I think it's, I'm, a, I'm a dog guy. I think that's fantastic. And we had a, uh, we, we had a listener from Texas who, uh, who was tending to his cows. Cattle. With the shirt on. I whatever, love it. It's absolutely whatever it brilliant. Is. Whatever you got to do, it's amazing. Send them in. Caughtoffsidepod at gmail.com. At COSoccerPod on X. Caughtoffsidepod on Instagram. And we're we're getting into March now. Getting closer to warmer weather. So if we you got, haven't we got, got yours yet, get we your t-shirt. Get, and we got to start thinking about what, what's the summer release going to be. We have a summer be. collection that's going to come out. Yeah. Can't Very wait. Yeah. Very interesting. Caughtoffsidepod.com. Go and get them there. 
They can all be found there. Uh, JJ, coming up, I'm so excited for this conversation. Nikki Bandini of The Guardian, ESPN TalkSport, her own Italian football podcast. Uh, she's going to join us in just a moment. More Caught Offside still to come. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Oh, back now on Caught Offside. JJ, let's get right into this. You've seen and, and heard her work at The Guardian, ESPN TalkSport, the Serie A, Chronicles, Italian football podcast, and much more. Here to talk all things soccer, but probably with a, a bit of an Italian focus, is Nikki Bandini. Nikki, thanks so much for joining us. My probes, thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. I guess let's start with, uh, with the news of the day here. Paul Pogba, doping ban, four years, gone. Now, I'm not saying we're not going to see him again. He's 30. But whatever the best version of Paul Pogba is, I think we can we can probably confidently say we've seen that and we're not going to see it again. It's such a weird career that he's had. If we were, let's say we were playing a, a game of word association and I say Paul Pogba, w- what is the word that comes to mind for you? Gosh, um, I, the one that came straight to my hand, my mind was extravagant. Um, and I, I don't know if that sort of come to everybody's mind. I think that probably your perspective on Paul Pogba would depend on where your focus lies as either a football fan or a journalist or, or whatever your interest in the sport might be. Obviously, I was covering him in Serie A under Antonio Conte. And to me, I will always remember him being this this kid whose so, talent was so big that Antonio Conte, who you really feel like wanted to ignore it, frankly, perhaps not ignore it, but wanted to do what Conte does and and trust in figures that he knew and, and guys that he trusted to work hard, like Claudio Marchisio, was looking around at this this player and thinking, well, I can't leave him out of the team anymore. I can't. He, he, he forced his way into a starting eleven at a time when that starting eleven was incredibly competitive, and and he did it by being um, an outrageous talent, by being someone who could play these passes, standing next to Andrea Perlo and playing passes that like they'd come off, off Perlo's boots, but also had the range to get up and down the pitch, also showed that that combativeness and and that willingness to to do what Conte requires of all of his players, which is to muck in and, and work hard. And to me, I think he was an extraordinary footballer, but, but the extravagance of some of those passes, the, the connection he had at the time, early in that Juventus uh, chapter with Paolo Dybala, who another extravagant footballer, the combinations they had, what I think of is when I think of Paul Pogba is those. Would it have been better for him, Nicky, in hindsight, to have stayed put and never gone to Manchester United? <laughs> well, never is is impossible, right? Because his story was at Manchester United before it was ever at Juventus. That right. was the whole, the whole thing, plucking him out of that, that youth system. 
who knows? Who knows? I I think this this story obviously we're we're talking about it at a time when the news came out today about the the, the four year ban. Pogba has said he's going to appeal to the Court of Arbitration for Sport. Um, he said in his words. You know, the, 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 so I'm paraphrasing, just said in his words, and I'm paraphrasing, said so out the quote directly in front of you. But effectively, what he said was, um, the full story is now yet, and you will hear the full story. So perhaps there is more to this story than, than we know. And and um, I think at a time of recording, that's probably a prudent thing to say. But um, when did this happen? If it did indeed happen, who, uh, who, on whose advice has he taken what? How has this test result had to? to come out all of that stuff is is things that's very dangerous to speculate on um certainly he was playing brilliant football in Turin at Juventus before he went to Manchester United and it's easy to look back on that and think well if he just stays maybe that doesn't change but I'm not sure life is as static as that I think things are always going to change as as the years pass uh people's focus shifts and sometimes it's more sometimes it's less one of the reasons that most footballers nowadays don't stay in one place for their whole career is precisely because it's hard to stay at the peak of your focus and attention while doing the same thing every week so I I, I really don't know if it would have been better for him or not to to stay at Juventus but I mean of course we can say that things at Manchester United never quite worked out the way that everyone hoped they would and when he went back to Juventus everyone was wanting that to be the moment for him where he gets back to the best of himself and and for this story and perhaps for others it hasn't happened in terms of of drugs and italian football um is is this potentially a watershed moment because it's interesting in the last month I've, I've never heard so much talk about it based on what gary neville and roy Keane were reminiscing about when they come off the field against those juventus sides at the end of the 90s and they'd say well those guys look so fresh like they could go again and there's always been these lingering rumors uh, about Italian football. Is this is is this a moment because he's so high profile? Is this a moment where we start to see more things come to light? Do you think? I I think that's dangerous waters to get into. I think what was happening in the '90s and what's happening now are not necessarily connected. I think okay. that what's happening um, uh, to Paul Pogba is not necessarily indicative of of what's happening at a football club. I think that's uh, again things that need to be very careful about uh, drawing those conclusions. I Look, what happened in, in the 80s and 90s, I think there's, there's, well, there's some stories that have been told and there's stories that, that I'm certain haven't been told about what was going on in those those periods. But um, I think drawing a straight line from, from there to Paul Pogba might be might be taking a step too far. Okay. Um, with regards to the, the suspension itself, you know, this is, our podcast is based in the US and steroids and PEDs are a big deal here in American sports. Baseball in particular, it's, you know, they're severe, they're harsh with their penalties. But even in baseball, I think for first-time offenders, the punishment is, what, 50 games? Um, Pogba's getting four years. Is I mean, this is a, a huge chunk of a player's career. Is there a sense from people within football that maybe, the you know, we want to be harsh on this, but four years, this this penalty may be more harsh than the crime itself? Yeah, um, I, again, it's it's very sort of tricky to speculate with new news developments and and things that are going to go through an appeal process um we have certainly seen in different areas of the italian sporting justice some pretty heavy-handed penalties get handed down and then after appeals get found to fall somewhere in the middle of, of perhaps um 
in the middle of where the uh, uh, appellant would want them to be and and where the initial judgment was i i i think it yeah I, I, with this story i'm just really reluctant to 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 speak too strongly on it until we have full details of 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 pogba's case because there's there's a difference between um taking something accidentally and taking something deliberately there's a difference between taking something once and taking something over a long period of time and and i think there's a lot still to come out in the wash with this story and and things that have been um discussed with the doping body that we don't have all the access to yet well there's something concrete we can't talk about and that's how americans are taking over syria <laughs> it's as simple as that um nikki what what do you put down to uh what how do you explain, I suppose, Weston McKenney and uh, Christian Pulisic's uh, great seasons they've had so far? I, I think in both cases, it comes down to the individual footballer. I think okay. both of them are, are talented and both of them are hardworking. I, there was a, a rather brutal um, quote from Stefano Pioli just the other day when he was asked about the difference between how Christian Pulisic's performing and Chiguese, who arrived in the same transfer window for pretty much the same transfer fee. They're both 20 million euro players. And, and Samuel Chiguese has not had anywhere near the impact that Christian Pulisic had. And Pioli was said, well, the thing with uh, uh, Pulisic is he scores goals, he sets up goals and he works hard. Chiguese doesn't score goals, he doesn't set up goals, and he doesn't work hard. And Ooh. that's pretty savage from a manager Jeez. to say something that way. But but that's that's kind of the, the, tr- the truth of it, certainly from Pulisic's standpoint is, he showed up on day one scoring against Bologna and she really hasn't stopped playing good football all the way through. He's clearly a, a very hard worker as well. But I think Pulisic is like, he, he's a very talented footballer who perhaps for whatever reasons didn't get quite the opportunities that he was hoping for at Chelsea. Well, he faded a little bit after that first start. Perhaps it wasn't even about the opportunities. Perhaps it was about the the environment around him and, and the support he was being given. Um I think Weston McKenney is is an even more clear cut case of hard work will get you places because I I spoke to him actually a few months ago in an interview for Eight by Eight magazine and he pretty much held his own hands up to having not perhaps handled the Leeds chapter as well as he could have done and he was saying that in his story this is now a a positive. Um, because he learned from it and while he appreciates it won't be for everyone in Leeds something to remember positively he's he's treating it as a learning experience and he's um bucking up his ideas basically and he he clearly did go away this 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 summer and and work harder than he has before he came back in tremendous shape and he's he's been an absolute pillar of this Juventus team in terms of his work rate and why he gives the team oh so there was it was a work rate or a professionalism issue at Leeds I, I don't think he would go as far as to say I, I wasn't being professional, but I think he um, he basically uh, felt like he was not deliberately, but that he was cruising, that he was right. thinking that he'd got to a point in his career because he'd got to Juventus because he was starting games to Juventus or going to Leeds. He'd go to the Premier League and he was feeling like um, he didn't have to... Um, I suppose do the thing that he in in again in his telling that he thinks got him where he is in his career, which is by outworking everybody. I think he doesn't have this ego about him where he believes that he's got the talent to not work hard. And I think perhaps his uh, his perspective on it is that he had got a little bit complacent. He did feel like he'd he'd reached this pinnacle, and then he looked around after that Leeds chapter and thought, well, no, you're not going to be able to stay here unless you work your butt off again because that's what you did 
to get here in the first place and and he has I mean again without question his his physical conditioning has been exceptional this season and I think you could see that from coming back from the summer and he's he's talked about that in a few places about how hard he worked in the summer to get that physical conditioning um and then I think there's there's other parts that come into it um I think one of the the fascinating statistics of this season is that Weston McKenney who's comfort six or seven assists now but every single one of them has gone to Dusan Vlahovic and right. he and Dusan Vlahovic clearly have a rapport and when I think about Paul Pogba to bring it back to that one of the reasons that things were so great at, at Juventus for a while was because of his rapport with Paolo Dybala because you could see when they were on the pitch together they they understood each other they knew where they wanted to be they knew where they wanted the ball they had that relationship and just at the weekend um, against Frosinone that the first McKinney's uh, assist in particular was a really nice touch bringing the ball down which he doesn't always show he hasn't and I think again he knows it he's not the most technical player on that Juventus team um, and and the cross itself is not perfectly struck but it's but it's where Vlahovic needs it to be right. and I think that um, that combination has been extremely fruitful for Juventus this season. Nikki, I read that piece in 8x8. It was really good. And it was interesting to hear him talk about sort of what was it he referred to as his, his trade as a joker, sort of mm-hmm. not like the ha-ha kind of joker, but like a wild card, willing to play in any position. You know, he said he's played fullback. He obviously, we know him as a midfielder. Do you get a sense or do you have a thought? Where Where is he best suited to play? Yeah, I, I enjoy that um, joker phrasing of it because actually in Italian they use the word jolly for a player like that they use the English word jolly for someone who fits in everywhere but um yeah he, he he's really at the beginning of this season it was this odd dynamic because of course Tim Weyer came in as well also from from the United States and uh he um was expected to play outside McKenney as the right wing back and then what happened was that McKenney wound up playing a few games in that right wing back spot and, and playing really well and again that I think speaks to this shift in his mindset because when I spoke to him I said I brought up some quotes he'd had before in his career where he said well I think I want to play midfield this is where I think I want to be I think I can be one of the best in this position and when I spoke to him he said I don't care about that anymore I just want to be where I can help the team and I think his mindset going into those games earlier this season when he was at right wing back helped convince Max Allegri that he needed to keep starting McKenney. and since then he's come back into the midfield and he is in the really pretty much every game now starting on the right side of a midfield three as the the mezzala the the half wing as they they would call it in Italy and and he's been very good there so I think that he's almost earned his way back into the midfield by playing well at right wing back but again I can only tell you what he told me and and what he told me as you say is that he's kind of okay now with that idea of being the joker as long as he's helping. Nikki is 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 there something in 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 the speed of play that the Premier League is so is so fast paced and that Italian football is maybe a couple of beats slower that might help maybe a player like Pulisic who struggled with injuries and now seems to be in a in a great run of form without them. Um is is there something in that or do we completely overstate that difference between Syria and everywhere else? No, I, I think the difference is is real. I think that that the the pace of different um of divisions, the different leagues, sorry, different countries, the style of football is is different. Um for Kaya Tamori, um, I remember making this analogy when I spoke to him a while ago about uh the Premier League is is more like an NBA game, you're just going end to end constantly and and perhaps the um uh, the Serie A is more like an NFL game where you are going to 
stop and think about your plays and and have that moment of, of con- more consideration in the way that you you do your build-up play um I think that it's certainly true that some footballers for that reason fit better into one style than another um I don't know if it's oversimplifying it in the case of Pulisic because I would argue that the Bundesliga where he obviously excelled is a really helter-skelter league where, yeah. where the ball flies up and down and he fit in very well there and I I think that there's sometimes an overfixation on this league is is that this league is this and this team and um and this style of, of football works here and it doesn't work there. When I think that the the single greatest reality in every footballer's career is that the team you're on and the coach you have are are the biggest factors in whether or not they're going to get the most out of you. And and I think that um Chelsea's been a tumultuous place to be for a number mm. of seasons and Milan might yet be that again. Stefano Pioli has had plenty of, of heat on him this season. I think some of it unfairly. And so we'll see whether or not he comes back next season. But if there's one thing you could definitely say for Pioli is he has shown with a number of young players, this ability to take them on and, and develop them and, and help them get the best out of themselves. I know Pulisic's not young anymore, yeah. Um, yeah. But, um, but you can look at, someone like Tonali who when he first came from Brescia to Milan everyone was looking at him and going this this kid's not going to make it everyone was billing him as an ex-Pirlo but he came in and he, he didn't play well um but with time he grew into someone who really did play brilliantly last season got that move to Newcastle and and then a the whole story with gambling which when he hasn't played this season but he's his footballing development has been has been really strong um and uh, and I know again um that for purely that man management is is a really big part of what he sees his his role as and and I'm sure that's part of it. I just with the with the the leaks thing, I I always sort of feel like there's this need to like push back and point out that it happens in both directions, right? Paqueta yeah. did not have a good time in Serie A at all and he's doing great in the Premier League. So right. it's not it's not as simple as as going to a, a different league and that being all the answers. But but I do think there is some truth that runners are less common in Serie A or have been and that was a clear focus for purely in his team rebuilding over the summer what he asked the the directors to get him was runners to line breakers it's what he wanted in his midfielders it's why they've got loftus cheek in as well players who are going to make that um those those moves up from midfield to to take the focus away from it always just being teo hernandez and rafael Leal on the other side uh nikki one more for you on the american angle uh yunus musa tim Weah. A couple guys who have made their mark with the U.S. men's national team, Wea especially, scored in a World Cup. What about in Serie A this year? Have they been able to make an impact? Have we seen signs of growth from them so far? Yeah, those are definitely the two who are struggling a bit more. Um, Tim Weah, again, arrived a lot of, um, I would say, more buzz around Tim McKenney when he first arrived. Mm. Um, and I think that at the beginning it was this, slightly interesting situation where him and um, McKenney are great friends. They spent all their time together off the pitch, but McKenney had taken that right wing back spot and it didn't seem like where I was going to get in. And then McKenney moves inside and, and where I got to start a couple of games. But I think honestly, he just hasn't really played that great when he's had the opportunities and now Cambiazzo has come in and is playing better and, and Weyer's back squeezed out again. Now, Tim Weyer has, has talked about this, being not his ideal position he prefers playing further up the pitch he prefers playing um behind the attack instead of as a right wing back he prefers playing on the left where he can cut in onto his stronger foot he's he's talked about those things um 
those things aren't going to change as long as Max Allegri is the manager. So whether or not the situation can improve from Juventus pretty much depends on whether or not Max Allegri is going to stay the manager going forward. And it's not a totally closed conversation, even though a lot of people have given Allegri a lot of credit for keeping Juventus competitive for a large part of the season. I think there is this question hanging in the air at Juventus about whether Allegri is a modern enough manager for where Juventus is trying to get to. I think when you look at the football being played by Inzaghi's Inter, it's it's a different it's a different thing completely. And I think there are people at Juventus who are asking that question. On the other hand, they're second in Serie A and the, the priority this season was to make sure they were getting back into the Champions League. So he's he's on course for his biggest goal and they still have a chance, a pretty good chance, I would say, to win the Coppa Italia as well, given who's left in the competition. So so we'll see. But Waya does feel like he's not really got, talking about clubs and fits, a club that he fits into what the manager wants to do right now. Um, Musa, I felt like had a, a fairly bright start and it just feels like over time he's not been able to make the case that he should be starting ahead of other people um Gianni Rind is another player who came in in the summer for Milan has been excellent um Ben Acer obviously was the holdover who's had some injury problems but now he's back healthy he's getting into the starting lineup again and Yassine Adli's been the one who's come into the team recently and, and performed really well and um it, it's not like Moose has been awful but when you look at um Again, what Pioli's trying to do, he wants to have, I think he's a long way behind, unfortunately, the neighbours in there, but trying to have a more fluid midfield, trying to have a setup where everyone can, can exchange rules, exchange roles, Loftus cheek in that mix as well as the one who can push on and break the lines. Um, it just feels like Musa doesn't do some of those things quite as well as the others do. When you get into the numbers, he doesn't win the ball as much as Adley does. He doesn't um, contribute to the attack as much as someone like Loftus-Cheek does. I, I think there's just not one area where he's standing out right now. And I think that in that pecking order, he's just gradually slid back a little bit. Nikki, I, I can't let you go before I ask you about uh, Luciano Spalletti and what's happening with the, the Italian national team. So a lot of quotes last week about uh, banning PlayStations and also a lot of, uh, I mean, big talk about winning the European Championships in the summer, how this is the game and, and, and pride in the shirt and like lots of, lots of positive, lots, lots of passion. Um, is, is this the right guy to, to, to reset the course for the national team? Or is, uh, is this another one where you're like, we just don't have, possibly don't have the players? I think there's undoubtedly a, a gap in the talent available to Italy right now to some of the other countries in Europe. I mean, yeah, it's hard not to look at what England have and think it's an extraordinary group when you look at the likes of Grealish and Foden and Bellingham and Harry Kane in front of that. Italy don't have that wealth of attacking talent. They, they simply don't. Um, they, they have some some players who I think um, perhaps have never had their chance to to put forward quite how good they are on the international stage yet. Nicola Barella, Inter, um, and Bastoni as well, I think. Um, I was having a conversation with someone just the other day about young players, and I was saying, well, he's not that young anymore. He's 24, but he hasn't got to go to a World Cup, of course, because of everything that's happened. And I do think right. he's, um, he's the next figurehead of the Italian defence for a long time after the Chiellini and Bonucci generation, which, of course, was the generation that won the Euros. Um, do I think that Luciano Spalletti is a brilliant manager and and has a chance to do as well with this group as anybody? Yeah, of course. He won the league with Napoli, something that hadn't happened in 33 years. He's 
he's a character um, right. when you listen to Francesco Totti who look had a, an interesting relationship with Spalletti who uh, was someone who um, helped Totti play some of the best football of his career but then became almost an enemy by the end at, mm. at Roma because Spalletti was the one who gradually forced him out of that Roma team because the ownership wanted him to but but was the man who did it um, but Totti talks about Spalletti being mad and, and when he says mad run down the corridors naked mad is the way he would put it so Spalletti is is a character but I I think that I think that winning international tournaments truthfully comes down to more than just your talent pool I think it comes down to chemistry I think it comes down to timing it comes down to having everyone in the right form and the right mindset in the tournament because the tournament is a very concentrated very intense period of time um and I think that Mancini caught some magic in the bottle at the Euros and it came down to all sorts of things, including, I think, his relationship with Luca Viali and and the friendship that they sort of embodied and and the the vibe that carried through the whole team. It's too soon to know whether Spalletti can capture that again. Um, but I think he's a, a, a very talented coach and and he's got as, as good a chance as anybody. Um, Nikki, last one from me. Uh, I wanted to ask about Roma. Mm-hmm. So Mourinho exits de Rossi comes in the results have changed for the better quickly is this I mean is this becoming another stick with which to beat Mourinho (laughs) (laughs) for some people yes and I feel like as soon as I praise de Rossi anywhere I get told that it's because I'm a Mourinho hater and that seems to be one of those areas of the internet as soon as you see anything that that could be perceived as as not praising Jose Mourinho you're a hater um he's I mean, I just was talking about vibes, right, with national teams, but I, I do think that De Rossi has, has raised there the mood in Rome. There's a lot of players who look more relaxed, look like they're having more fun, look like they're being empowered to go and play attacking football in ways they weren't before. Um, I don't know if it will last. I don't know if it will be forever. Um, I think that watching this team the last few weeks, they certainly defensively look more fragile than they did under Mourinho, so you could spin that around. Um, but I, I do think there's been this shift in philosophy from under Mourinho. There was this mindset that, well, we've got Dybala, we've got Lukaku, we've got Pellegrini. Maybe we just need to play tight defensive football and trust that those players will resolve games for us. Whereas it feels like De Rossi has flipped the proposition on his head and said, well, we've got Lukaku, we've got Dybala, we've got Pellegrini. Let's go and attack and see what happens. And, and so far it's going pretty well. Mourinho, the scenes, I, every time he leaves an Italian club, it's it's drama in some way, whether it's Matarazzi <laughs> hugging him and crying. But the, the scenes for a manager where things were clearly just not probably reached an end or a conclusion, are, are absolutely unbelievable, Nicky. Yeah, look, they loved him in Rome and and he sold that, he sold that stadium out. Of course, the, the players have their part in it, but him arriving was a, the biggest catalyst in in that stadium being sold out for the best part of two and a half seasons in a way that it hadn't. And it's 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 been a, a long time since we've seen that energy and that excitement around the Sadio Olimpico. He took them to European finals in two consecutive seasons and came really close to winning both of them. Did win the first one, the Europa Conference League, and and went to a penalty shootout against against the team that never loses the Europa League, right? Mm-hmm. Against Sevilla. Yeah. So <laughs> so on the surface, there's you really can't knock his record in a big no. way. You can say, yes, that Europa League final was miserable to watch. And oh. every single game was 
another cause of an argument and a, a polemic and and the referee um the referees were a disgrace and all the rest of it and there's someone getting sent off from his sideline every game you can you can talk about the mood of it and how that looked but results wise he wasn't doing badly. It's a bit more ambiguous in the league because, yes, in the league, he didn't really take the team on from where it was under Fonseca. But two European finals for Roma certainly is is no small change. Yeah. Nikki, before we let you go, speaking of European final, I just wanted to get in one last question. Talked about Inter before. They're running away with the league. They've been to a Champions League final. Should they be? It doesn't feel like they kind of get their due when we talk about Man City or Real Madrid or who the contenders are. Should they be in that category? Yes, obviously. And I've been saying this since the beginning of the season. And I think that, um, that some people have not been, uh, have not been paying attention because yes, they went to a Champions League final where they got very little respect from the international media. They then played really well in that Champions League final and people looked and said, Oh, they were better than we thought they would be. And, mm. and then it's like everyone forgot that. Um, yeah, I was, I had some questions over the summer about how you deal with losing Lukaku and Jekko and Onana. But it became pretty quickly apparent that Marcus Turan was going to be a great fit. And the football they're playing now is without question better than the football they were playing 12 months ago. So why shouldn't they go to another Champions League final? I think there's there's one clear favourite ahead of them, which is Manchester City. Um, there's probably a second, I would say, a, a step ahead of them in, in Real Madrid. After that, I don't see that there's any teams in this draw that should be marked clearly ahead of Inter as, as a favourite to go far. Having said that, look, they're playing Atletico Madrid, who are a great team and could knock them out even from 1-0 down when you go back to, to play in Madrid. But I I don't see another team in Europe other than those two that I've just mentioned that I think has the right to consider itself above last season's Champions League finalists who got better since then. Yeah, well, there you go. Good stuff. Nicky Bandini, we appreciate your time, your insight. Thanks so much. We'll have to do this again. Take care. Anytime. Great stuff from Nikki Mandini. Of course, can see her stuff at The Guardian, ESPN, TalkSport, her own podcast on Serie A. Fantastic. God. Yeah, oh, brilliant. And I'm and I'm glad she shut me down in two ways, which is very important. Because uh, I need I, this needs to happen to me more often. First of all, drawing lines between things. So I, I often just do that. So I immediately go back to, to what was said on Stick to Football about Italian teams in the late 90s and then draw a line between that and Pogba, which you shouldn't and can't do because we don't have the full information. And we'll see what happens at the Court of Arbitration for Sport. I wouldn't be shocked if that's halved, mm-hmm. that ban is halved, or, or, or even reduced significantly enough that he's, he's back in, in, in relatively short order compared to a four-year ban. And the second thing was that, you know, going between leagues, it's not just a case of like, well, he's gone to that league, that league isn't as good as this league, so he'll do better. It's like such a comp, like it's, they're individuals within a team sports. It's obviously such a confluence of like environment. Is your family happy? Are you happy? Do you like the wet? Like we used to laugh. You can't sign a Portuguese pair for Man United because he won't like the weather, like stuff like that, you know, um, right. or a Brazilian rather. They won't like the weather, you know, like this kind of like very narrow thinking. Um, well, it's hell to get like Pulisic and McKinney are viewed as like, oh, they struggled in the Premier League. They're playing great in Serie A. Ergo, this means they're not Premier League quality. Is it that simple? Like, but it I don't, doesn't probably, work like it that. It probably is not that simple. But, but, but we don't ever talk about, or we don't talk enough about Kevin De Bruyne. Like, goes to Chelsea. It was a Chelsea team that was very hard to get into. It was a, a Chelsea team with a, a manager that you know uh, wanted this very specific type of player. He goes back to Wolfsburg, which would be seen as a regressive step. It wasn't. If he doesn't, that move to Wolfsburg was everything. Yeah, he completely finds his. 
finds the place he loves, clicks into gear, and then he ends up with some of the best players in English football, and it all comes together. So, you know, it's so much of life is circumstantial and, and nuance, yeah, environment based. It's never just one thing or the other. Yeah. Um, and the inter stuff is interesting too, because they are not, they're not held up even with the success they had in the Champions League last season and what they're doing in Syria. They're, they're not put into that class with Real Madrid and Manchester City. There's like, there's these clear favorites. And then there's, you know, is Atletico is in there, Arsenal. But the way they were treated by, by this podcast as well, last, well, by me last year going into the final was it was a fait accompli that City would win. And, oh, isn't it nice that Inter are there, but there's no chance of any other result. And Inter, honestly, I know Nicky said they played well. I, they played better than I thought they would. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that seems like to damn them with fame praise. Also, I suppose I should ask this, but I didn't. Can you win a Champions League with Marco Arnautovic coming off the bench? That's as, as a backup striker. I'm not sure that I'm not sure you can. Um but that doesn't mean that they're they're not much better than we thought, or that they are deserving of more respect than they've been given. Um, but like they're they're I'm, we're not just questioning Arnautovic on this podcast. We're we're questioning Lautaro Martinez. So yeah, which again, Syria diehards would maybe question us for that. Yeah, probably because of what he's his production there has been stellar. So we we should yeah. do more Italian football. Yeah, I think maybe you're right. I think we should. It's fun. That there's so much, so many characters and so much culture around it. We we should do more. Yeah. I I feel it's something I left in the '90s when they stopped showing it on Channel Four or back home. And so you're nostalgic, like it's like a part it's of your pure childhood. nostalgia. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We watched so much of it. We had such a lot of it back when, home. When when did it change? When Syria? Uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, it wasn't that like. I mean, look, AC Milan through like the the early mid 2000s were easily still the after that. I I think after that, like when when. When Juve took hold and sort of like the gap but, but, between them and the rest of the league. I think it was diminished. sooner. Milan were flying the flag for Italian football for a few years after it started to go on the schneid. I would say uh, around the turn of the millennium, around 2001, 2002, I felt as if it was it was slipping. Not just in terms of, I mean, still, had, yeah, look at still the scandals great... it had. Look at you still you had a great Milan team, but like Juventus were and on, Inter what, too. I mean, they wanted no. trouble, right? In 2010, but that felt kind of felt like an anomaly. And it was peak Mourinho at the time. Absolutely peak Mourinho. Built for European football. Built to upset. Um, not that he didn't have good players, but he, he really harnessed something. I, I felt it was on... It was on the, certainly... Certainly, in terms of the interest back home, and and um, and then the transfer started flooding into the Premier League. So yeah, it wasn't a case of, you know, all the way through the nineties. If there was a top Premier League footballer at any club, the big worry was he'd be snatched away to Italy. Like that's just, you know, and in Italy in the late nineties, Ronaldo moved from Barcelona to Inter. What and be, and and while he was the best player in the world, wouldn't just wouldn't happen now. Um, so, so I suppose, yeah, I, early 2000s, it, it started the slide. And then of course there was Calcio Poli in the mid 2000s, the, the, the scandal, um, which had Juventus relegated. And that was the low, I, I would say that was the lowest ebb for it. Um, yeah. but it's still like, again, what kind of going off what Nikki said, like, you know, this league is that, and this other league is this, it's, 
I don't know. Because sometimes I watch highlights of League One and I think I should be watching this all week. It's amazing. And 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 the Bundesliga too. They're nice. They're it's nice every now and again on a Saturday when you get to the twelve thirty. What would be the five thirty game in England? And you go and watch. You go and watch a Bundesliga game. Just pick a Bundesliga game and watch it. It's nice. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So this is like a late New Year's resolution. You want to bring Italian football back to this podcast? I, there was a point at, in this podcast where I watched way more Serie A, and I used to talk about it way more on the pod. And I, I don't remember that. Yeah, when was that? that? Oh, when just at the beginning of the Napoli rise, where I was just like, everyone should be watching them when Insignia was there okay. and when Dries Mertens was there. At the start of that rise, I was like, uh, everyone should watch them. They're amazing. They're great. But then you kept winning the league and you're like, ugh, you know? Um, but yeah, that was fun. A lot yeah. of fun. Yeah, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed this podcast. This was, this was a joy. It's this good spending time with you. It is every week that it delivers. Yeah. Um, we will, of course, be back next week with another edition of Caught Offside, Manchester Derby this weekend to look forward to. Um, so, yeah, stay tuned for much more and for more of JJ's thoughts on Italian football. That's well, all still to come. Possibly. Uh, <laughs> JJ, I enjoyed this immensely. Hey, to you, I say. Take you later, fun boy. I'll see you. Take care. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 